simplify. I'm going to pause for a moment and pray if you'd like to join me. God, in this space today, I'm aware that there's some people probably who are about to embark on making a life decision and they need your guidance. Would you help them today? Father, I'm aware that there'd be some people who might be searching. They don't even quite know what they're searching for, but I pray that they might be able to find that in you. Father, I'm aware also today that some of us might be in a season of dryness. Life's hard. Would you refresh us? Lastly, Father, as we head into 2016 with a whole burgeoning year ahead, challenges for some, students doing their thing, uh, busyness of workspaces and life together and family dynamics, would you remind us today that you want to journey with us and that we can find peace and hope in you? I pray this, all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, some of you might have noticed that uh, on the screen here, there's a little clip if you want to follow with us on anything that we covered today. If you have a Bible with you, or if you want to cover anything in your iOS device, Matthew 5, chapter 7. So Matthew chapter 5 and chapter 7 is where we're going to touch base along the way. Have any of you noticed my t-shirt here this morning? It says the simple words, obey. Um, over this month, we've been talking about this theme called simplify, simplifying our life around Jesus Christ. And um, we've talked about seeking first and making him priority. We've talked about resisting. If you want to do that, you have to say some no's along the way. And this week, we're talking about obey some of the yeses that you would say along the way. And Steve said to me this week, he said, do you know I've been seeing young people walking around with this T-shirt that says obey? I said, no. He said, yes. And so he looked it up and we found there's a store called Glue where you can buy these things. So on Friday, I said, that matches our topic. I'm going to go get one. And so I walked into Glue it wasn't sticky, and I went and actually, uh, that was a really bad dad joke, it just came out, I am sorry. I walked in there and I said, look, I'm just looking for your t-shirts, obey. And great, so I got one, tried it on, fit, and I walked up to the counter, and uh, I said, look, let's take this if that's all right. And then the lady behind the register, she said, so, as she's paying for the, as I was paying for the, she said, what's your weekend looking like? How's it kind of opening up for you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty cool right now, because I'm wearing one of these t-shirts, so, um, I said, actually, you know, when you have that pause and you think, what am I going to say? And I went, actually, I'm going on a staff retreat. And then on Sunday, because I'm a minister of a church, um, I'm actually talking about this theme, Obey. That's why I've actually got the T-shirt, Obey. And she, I can see her head was like, whoa, that's pretty weird along the way, but Obey. <laughs> it's actually an anti-establishment, Obey. This is actually, 1985, this brand's been around and it's actually kind of don't listen to government. But what I'd like you to do is try and listen to me today. <laughs> How do you feel about this word obey? When you see it, what comes to mind? What are the feelings? Do you go a bit white-knuckled? Do you feel controlled? Do you feel like actually you want to resist when you see the word obey? If you are a parent here this week and you've had a rough week, I think you would like to fill in the gap down the bottom here because there's some space with maybe a phrase that goes like, obey your mother. Mothers, would you like any of that? Or if you're a father here this week and uh, you would like the, to be printed off and hand them out to all the kids, obey your father, yeah? If you're a teacher here and you've had a rough week or you're about to start on a rough week, you might want to pre-print some t-shirts, obey your teacher. Or maybe your boss, obey your... I don't have that problem around at NCR because they're, they're just, you know, amazing, but obey. Or maybe if you are a millennial and if you could fill the space this morning, would you fill it with the words, actually, I'd like to obey myself. Obey. 
So this whole theme we've been unpacking the last couple of months, uh, this last month on Simplify, heads to this word where it calls obey. You see, we've been sold a particular lie in our community that if you obey someone, it actually will go bad for you. That's why I've been telling the story over the past few weeks about when I was a phys ed teacher training a group of year eight students to play hockey. Last week, someone I heard turned to the person behind them and went, he's telling the same story. I think he's a little bit, you know. I'm not. I'm trying to illustrate and ask the question of where is life to be found? When I was teaching year eights hockey, there came the day where I let them play, blew the whistle, let them do and play how they wanted to. There was total anarchy for the next three, four minutes. Kids were falling down everywhere. I blew the whistle again. I said, now I want you to obey what I say. I want you to come under the governance of a benevolent dictator who is your phys ed teacher. And I began to construct and organise the game. At the end of the time, I'd like you to ask the question, who enjoyed the game more? When all the children actually decided to obey the rules and come under the governance of someone who had their best interest at heart, were they freer then? Or were they freer and was it more life-giving when they lived life however they wanted? You see, what we have been programmed to believe is that if I obey someone else, life will be robbed of me. If I actually obey God, he doesn't have my best interests at heart. The best thing to do is obey myself. But here's the rub. It's hard enough, isn't it, to obey ourselves in the things that we want to do, like Sean just illustrated so aptly. And the great rub is this. If you actually want to simplify your life around Jesus, you need to actually die. You need to come to a stage in your life where you say, there's a battle of the wills and only one person can be in control and I need to actually be able to say yes to someone and no to the other. If you like, someone has to relinquish their will and submit it to someone else. Jesus said these words. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels and recreates a new heavens and a new earth. There will be some people who will say to you, if you give your life to following Jesus and die to follow him and make him the boss of your life, and if you obey him, you will be throwing your life away. Jesus begs to differ. He believes that you'll be taking it up and finding it like you've never found it before. So he went on and actually said these words. If you want to simplify your life, it actually comes to understanding the first principle of seek first. Jesus said this, so don't worry away with your what will we eat or what will we drink if we follow you, Jesus, and what will we wear if we give our lives to you and obey you. Those are all the kinds of things that People who don't know God fuss all about and your heavenly father knows you need them all. Instead, make your top priority God's kingdom and his way of life and all these things will be given to you as well. You see, these past couple of weeks, I've been picking up our life bucket. 
We come back from our holidays and we say, I love that stuff. I love that resting, peaceful, irresponsible life I've just had over the last holiday time. Yeah, And I want more of that. So we go to our life bucket and we begin to think, what can I take out and what can I add in? The only problem is we have, we have a difficulty saying no to things. So we tend to just add more stuff to our buckets. And then Jesus says, I want you to make a decision. And it's the place where you can find life and discover it. I want you to seek me first. See, here's the rub. When you try and actually press Jesus into everything else, there's a battle of the wills, if you like. It's like a guy who's trying to date two girls. It's just not good. Sooner or later, they're going to ask you, who's the one that's most important? And by the way, if they find out that you're two-timing, it goes really bad for you. You have to. Isn't that true? Yes, it is. I don't know from experience, but some of you might. Actually, Jesus says this. If you want to follow me, tip everything out and seek me first. I had to do this in my own life when I was about 19 years old. Came a stage in my life where I went, you know, university was opening up. All different kinds of things in life open up on university campus. And I found myself asking, where is the good life to be found? And who will I chart the course of my life around? What I needed in my life at that time was to have a death so that I could have a life. Death, in, in other words, to determine who would I follow, who would I obey, who would I trust, and map the course of my life around. I remember shaking my fists at God one time and saying, God, I was just passionate about sport. And I, I am so passionate about sport, don't you ever think that you are going to take this passion away from me? How foolish. But clearly in my life there was a decision that needed to be made and I was wrestling with it around the age of 19. See, at 19 you think you know it all and you don't. I remember there came a time where I went, actually, my heart's desire has changed that much. Yeah, I kind of knew God, but he wasn't the preeminent. He wasn't the foremost. He wasn't the seek first. Came a stage in my life where I said, God, Jesus, I want to follow you. And then I went away on a, on a retreat, on a camp, like, and for two weeks I can tell you that it was as though God breathed his fresh life into me and it became real and alive. I could only describe it as like God's liquid love his spirit being investing in my heart and my mind to fill it. Didn't mean that my life was perfect after that. But what it meant for me is that I'd realized there'd been a death that had taken place. I want to seek you first. And when I did that, a new life emerged, his life in me. And then last week we talked about if someone wants to actually walk this way and say, I want to seek you first, there's some no's that have to happen along the way. That's why I find that movie just there, the clip from Family Man, so powerful because it speaks to us at all different kinds of levels. It begs the question, doesn't it? Where is life to be found? Where is the good life, the God life, the rich life, the eternal life? Where is it to be found? Because every day you and I are faced with temptations about where life is to be found, don't we? Aren't we? So you try on a new suit and uh, all of a sudden... It starts to speak to you. It's as though the evil one himself is whispering in your ear, this is where life is to be found. If you just fill your life with satisfying your desires, if there's just more fantasies that you can have, if there's just more sexual encounters, if there's more physical stuff, the next long weekend and the next long weekend and the next 
long weekend here in Australia. Or if there's an exporting thing to live by, that's how you can start to fill your life. And life can be found there. And then there's another one that comes along. And it was touched on that as well, the fame thing. You know where life is to be found when you're wearing the right clothes and you're climbing the social status ladder. And and, and if you are known, then you'll be rich in life. The only problem with filling it up is that our wanters are never satisfied. They always want more. We're never satisfied. And, And the fame thing, well, it's elusive. And you have to stand on a whole bunch of people along the way usually to get there. And it's elusive. And it's filled with insecurity. And then, of course, there's the, the fortune one. If I can just accumulate more, if I could have that apartment, if I could have, that's where the perfect life is to be found. Tragedy is our life is filled with people. Our world is filled with people who have all of this stuff. And still there's a hunger and a hole in their lives that it doesn't fill. In fact, Jesus goes so far as to say, you know what? If you try and squeeze these things into life with me, and if you make them your pursuits as well, your heart's desire, it'll soon choke out the very life that I've given to you. I remember as a young person listening to a telephone conversation that my mum had with a friend. They were talking about my dad and his job. I remember her talking in soft tones about the promotion that my dad was going to be offered that he didn't accept. As she whispered away, she said, you know, it's because he wanted to be faithful to his church family and following God. doesn't mean if you're here this morning and you've got a promotion that you can't. Don't hear this. Just hear the idea behind it. And she said, and also he he realizes that if he takes the promotion, he's away more from the family on weekends. That's pretty much weekends gone. So he said no. I don't think there's anything more powerful to communicate to a young person worth and value when someone else foregoes their own wants for the wants of another. I remember walking away down the passageway having heard that conversation going, Gosh, I wanted my dad to get that promotion. I want him to climb up. But gee, it's also good to know what he does want and what his priorities are. And I guess I'm one of them. Wow. You see, all these things can just end up choking us out. Jesus said, seek first There'll be all kinds of temptations that can come our way every day about where life is to be found. For someone who wants to follow Jesus, it's learning to say no and yes along the way. You see, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, 13 and 14, he says these provocative words. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate. And narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. He said, wide is the pathway that just the kingdoms of the earth want to follow in order to gratify and satisfy and to seek where life is to be found. But if you want to discover where life is really to be found, where you come fully alive, enter through the narrow gate. 
Because the narrow gate might be tight and hard to walk, but it's the one that leads to life. So what is someone who decides to simplify their life around Jesus? What characterizes someone who decides to walk that narrow path look like? And Jesus answered that too. He sat a group of people on a mountainside and he said these words to them. If you like the central core of what that pathway looks like. And he said this. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That is, blessed are those who are not rich in spirit and haughty and want to stand on other people to get their way. To say me first and and I'm powerful and I'm more important. But he says, I tell you this. Blessed is the person who is poor in spirit. Who thinks and the appropriate estimation of who they are themselves, who has a, a good grasp on who they are and who they're not, and they're kind of more humble than haughty. Blessed are those ones. He goes on and says these words, Blessed are those who mourn, not those who have lost loved ones, but blessed are those who mourn when they turn over the pages of the newspaper, when they watch the television and see all the, the hardship and pain that surrounds our world and they grieve and they go, it shouldn't be that way. Who are so moved by the conflict within families and, and, and the loss of life and the tragedies that befall so many people in the world around about that they find themselves more often than not grieving. And saying, I want to do something about that. I want to do something about that because I grieve with God in the same way. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for what is right and good and noble and true. They're the kinds of ones who say, I I hunger for that and I want to do that kind of stuff wherever I am. In my workspace, in my home life, in the kindergarten, down the street in the neighborhood, in my classroom, wherever it is. I want to hunger and thirst for what is right and good because it's right and good. That's where life's to be found. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy themselves. That is, blessed are those who actually go, you know what? I make mistakes as well, so I better stop judging other people and start looking at myself along the way. You hear me? And along the way, when someone else does wrong by me, am I going to hold it against them or am I going to be merciful just in the same way God has been merciful to me? Blessed are the pure in heart. Because our world is filled with so much filth and dirt, is it not? Our world is filled with so much haughtiness and just trying to use other people for our own gain and gratification. There's all kinds of muck out there. But blessed, I tell you, are the ones who go, you know what? I don't want to be infected by that. I I want to look at other people in the eye and and treat them as a human being, not as an object of desire. I I actually want to be pure in heart. And it's hard to do that in this world around about. But that's what I kind of want to be, more pure in heart. Than dirty. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. Blessed are the ones when there's a conflict taking place who will take the high road, who will go, you know what, I'll fall on my sword. I'll be the first one to try and mend it because peacemaking and harmony is so much more important than actually trying to rip it apart and repay evil for evil. And Jesus said, if you want to walk down this path, that's what it's like. That's what you say yes to along the way. And then he gave some examples after it. He said, for instance, you've heard it said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you this, what I want you to do is love little children. (laughs) 
embraced them from the end. He said, I want you to, what I want you to do is I want you to love your enemy and pray for those who mistreat you. Why? Because the world is filled with retaliation. And we know it doesn't work. It feels good for the moment, but that's what narrates the kingdoms of this earth. And I want you to be different. I want you to walk a higher road. And then he said, if actually someone comes and strikes you on the left-hand side of a cheek to insult you, you have in that moment the opportunity to strike them back and get even. But I tell you this, kind of have the heart that says, I am so against that repaying evil for evil that I'll even let you strike my other side because that's the way my heart is oriented. And then he said, if a Roman soldier comes to you and says, I want you to walk a mile and carry my pack, which was a legal obligation at the time. Don't be the kind of person that begrudgingly just be the kind of extravagant person who goes, I'm going to carry it too. And I'm not going to do it just to thumb my nose at you. I'm going to do it because I'm generous in heart. You see, as you look at this list of requirements and you apply them to life, you will soon determine that I can't live that way because my giver and my mercy and my poorness in spirit, they run out very quickly, don't they? You see, my friends, this isn't a new list of commandments, 10 commandments to live by. This is a description of someone who's been filled up with the very life of God where he dwells. And he has so occupied their mind and their heart that it just flows out of them naturally from where he reigns in his kingdom, in his heaven, where he dwells. You see, these words describe someone who has learnt to obey and surrendered their will and their heart and their life. And God in turn comes and he pours himself into you, giving you life because you've had a death of the will. He pours his new life into you. So this stuff isn't stuff you have to do. It's stuff that just naturally begins to pour out from you. I had one of the executive gentlemen yesterday say to me, it's a time in my life where I had to make a decision for Jesus. And I was looking and asking, in whom will I follow and what will give me a reference point? And he said, the time I made a decision to obey and surrender my life, it was as though the word he used was, it was a relief. Because I was coming under the governance of someone else who was good, who had died for me, who'd risen to new life and had my best interests at heart. I had a guide in my life to map my life by. Good news. My friends here this morning, I want to ask you the question, have you died in order that you might live? The band's going to come up in a moment. We're going to play a song and give us some time to think. And I'm going to be praying that God might minister to you and speak to you in a really tangible way. When I was at university, my second university, we met a man by the name of Brian. My wife and I had just come to the United States. It was freezing cold and we were trying to adjust to the climate. And she shared in class one day that, gee, it's cold, it's snowing, this is really tough and we don't have all the clothing. After class, he kind of pulled Bronwyn gently aside and said, hey, why don't you come over to my car? Walked on over, lifted up the boot, said, here's my jacket. Try it on. It fit. He said, no, I've got a couple of them. You have it. 
See, as he got to know Brian, there was this kind of desire within him to just want to serve other people. It was as though God, where he dwelt, was dwelling in him, and he just had this heart to serve. One day, the class finished, and the lecturer said, look, if you can stay behind and help put it, pack up some chairs. And I was running late to somewhere, so I just kind of left. And on the way out, Brian actually called out to me and he said, Troy, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, Brian. I'm running late. You don't understand. Some years later, when we're back here at home, we heard news about Brian. See, he was the kind of guy that would take a, uh, in the back of his ute, he would have petrol on tap in case someone broke, their car broke down or they ran out of fuel and he would routinely stop. One particular night, driving along, he, he, this, this lady had broken, her, her car was broken down and so he pulled over, he put his witch's hats out, you know, like he'd normally do and, and he was changing actually her tyre. There was a drunk lady that he didn't see coming that was driving down that same road, that same freeway, swerved off, hit him, and killed him instantly. Where's God in that? But I tell you this, what I do know for certain, if you had have asked Brian, where is your life to be found and are you living it? He would say, beyond a question of a doubt, I know. And he's alive. And he's alive in me. Because I've been learning to obey. Now I believe he's living continuously. And one day I'll see him again in a new heavens and a new earth. And I remember to pack up the chairs. So I want to ask you this morning, what do you need to do? Are you here this morning and you're kind of hearing about Jesus? You don't even know the whole kit and caboodle, but you go, you know what? If Jesus died for me and God loves me and if he has my best interests in art, then the thing for me to do is I want to surrender. I don't quite fully understand, but I want to surrender. Simple obedience. If that's you this morning, then in a moment, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have some things to come up here for you to collect. Would you come and take one? And there's going to be some people here that if you want to stop and be prayed for, you can. But if you're here and you've surrendered your life to God and you've said, I want to obey, then the next step for you is you need to be baptized go public. I want to challenge you this year, go public. If you really believe this stuff, go public. Be baptized. Maybe you're here this morning and you're kind of, as you're hearing this blessed are, and you go, that's hard. You're in the middle of a decision and you're kind of being choked out by life because you started to fill all these other things around Jesus. And he's calling you back today. He says, I want you to return. What I'd like you to do is get up out of your chair this morning, come and humble yourself and be prayed for. There's just going to be some people here who will just come and pray for you and say, God, would you remove the weeds and come alive afresh? Maybe you're here this morning and you're about to embark on a great big decision and you have not even consulted God. You're doing it alone. What I'd invite you to do is make a decision right here as you hear this next song to be sitting and praying. If you want to come receive prayer, do that. But if you want to just pray and say, God, what do you think? And some of you here might be going, I was going to make that decision, but I don't want to consult because I think I know what he's going to say to me. Then you need to do this. It's where life is to be found.
maybe you're here this morning and there's just dryness and you need freshness. And so after this particular song, what you can do is engage in a worship moment in actually singing to him. And as you do, it's like, will you pour your kingdom and your life and your heaven back afresh in me so that I might live and come alive? So... Steve got these wristbands made up this week. They say this. Simplify. Seek first. Resist. Obey. I'm wearing one. I want to wear it. So I want to simplify my life around Jesus. And if you wanted to, come and take one. Put it on. Go public. When you wake up in the morning time, look at it. Let it speak to you. Let it speak to you. And learn that there's life in this. And everyone will tell you otherwise. There is life in this. So as Gonok sings now, you might sit and pray, you might just absorb it in, but if you want to come, come and take one. There's going to be some people here to pray. This next space is yours. And then when they have a song for worship, if you want to join in, join in and make it wholehearted. Don't make it half-hearted, make it real. And that's when I think God shows up. So let's go.